Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, welcome to episode 50 of the Grow Bud Yourself podcast. We got a great one for you today. Uh, First, we're going to talk about legalization and marijuana law reform issues. Uh, Our interview is with Mike Nee, also known as P-Bud. He's part of the ChemDog family strain history, so we'll talk all about that. Uh, The cultivation segment features uh, proper flour and hash storage, as well as answers to listener grow questions. And episode 50 is brought to you by Rocket Seeds, Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors, and Excelsior Extracts. Stick around for episode number 50 of Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, you guys, I really want to thank our sponsors from Excelsior Extracts. These are great friends of the show, uh, great friends of mine for many years, incredible growers, incredible people, and they have made some incredible products as well, including their THC-infused pain rub. And you know it works because you're talking about people who are real, true cannabis medical patients that are making this. Just want to shout out Outcast and and, uh, TOH. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Excelsior Extracts. DM them if you're interested in trying out that pain relief rub. Tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. And uh, yeah, man, thank you to uh, T and O from Excelsior for sponsoring the show and being just such great friends and supporters. All right, we are back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the incredible Grow Bud Yourself theme song. Uh, 50 episodes deep. How you doing, Mike? Can you believe it? We're, we're at 50. I know. It's, it's I unreal. Think, I think with Free Weed, it took us like three or four years to get to 50 episodes. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> yeah, and here we are, less than a year uh, from the debut of Grow Bud Yourself. And uh, we've managed to do... 50 shows once a week for the last 50 weeks throughout uh, the entire pandemic and then some. You know, we're the real heroes. I don't know why people aren't talking about us more. But Well, it's helped me get through, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's been good, and we hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. And cannabis has been amazing throughout. I mean, personally for me, uh, as a uh, user of cannabis, as a consumer... Uh, it's really helped me, obviously, through some of the uh, darker days. And I think, you know, cannabis in general, the laws changing, the the plant being deemed essential in many cases, uh, delivery being allowed, curbside pickup of cannabis. I mean, really, uh, we've, we've come a million miles uh, with this plant in just a very short period of time. We, we picked a good time to get back into this. <laughs> Indeed, oh, it's been it's been incredible, and just in twenty twenty one alone, uh, who has passed uh, legalization laws this year? New Jersey, New York, 
uh, Virginia and now New Mexico. Yeah, it's incredible. Didn't we talk about New Mexico last week uh, being the next state, possibly? We did, yeah. We had a a which state will legalize next segment, and we we picked uh, New Mexico, but we cheated a little bit because we knew they were right on the cusp. But uh, since we did that show last week, they have actually legalized pot in New Mexico. So adults 21 and over, they can possess up to two ounces of pot, uh, as well as 16 grams of concentrates. They are going to allow home cultivation in New Mexico, up to six plants, uh, 12 per household. And they're going to have retail sales. And right now it's looking like April 1st, 2022 is the start of retail sales in New Mexico. Incredible. Incredible. But of course, the, you know, marijuana is still illegal at the federal level. Yeah, I mean, it's our 50th episode of the show. And that number 50 has a certain significance as well, um, as it is the 50th anniversary of the CSA or the Controlled Substances Act. And that's basically how cannabis wound up uh, on the schedule, right? Meaning no medical benefit at all. Right. Yeah, it's almost 50 years to the day that that took effect. It was May 1st, 1971. So yeah, 50 years that uh, cannabis has been deemed a Schedule 1 narcotic with no no medical value and a high potential for addiction. So it is high time that, um, that that changes at a federal level. So I wanted to run this by you, because if you were curious how the president of the United States, the current one, Joe Biden, felt about legalization, and you just kind of popped it in the Google machine and you were checking that out, you would find uh, kind of disparate uh, takes on it. So there's an article that's out, and I think this is probably what actually accurately reflects the president's opinion, but it says that Biden it doesn't support legalization. He wants decriminalization. He's opposed to federal legalization. But if you then you know, check out some other articles, you have uh, Cory Booker, who's working on federal legalization along with Chuck Schumer in the Senate. And he's essentially saying that Biden's beliefs are enough to legalize federally. He's basically saying that the bill they're putting together essentially aligns with how Biden feels, and he he believes that the president would pass it, which means that Biden would legalize federally. So I, I just, I guess I want to get your take. Is that enough from the president? Uh, I mean, I, I wish he was less uh, wishy-washy about it. I feel like he did somewhat campaign on it. I think uh, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, uh, made it pretty clear that it was going to be a priority to change these laws. I think the banking situation is untenable, and I think that that uh, is coming up next week as well through the legislature. So, you know, there's a lot of ways they can act on this, and I think maybe they're just being coy a little bit about it uh, in the same way that I think, you know, Obama did not want to be the president that legalized weed. You know, it was like Mm. not what he wanted stamped on his, you know, tombstone or on his obituary or, you know, at his presidential library. It's not the legacy that he he wanted. But at the same time, you know, the policy was somewhat hands off. And, you know, there's this memo and this sort of protects people. And, you know, uh, let's do as little harm as we can while this is all getting figured out. And I think uh, Biden is kind of in that same kind of boat. He's very centrist, uh, very much kind of you know, riding the fence in a way, basically saying, this is what the American people want. 
Uh, I don't necessarily agree 100%, but it sounds like uh, there's a consensus here, and therefore he can kind of be the guy that allowed it to happen without necessarily being the guy that made it happen. And that's kind of where I'm hoping that goes. <laughs> Although, you know, we had this these kind of uh, beliefs in a lot of administrations, and this goes back to Clinton and, and even going even further back to Carter, where people made it clear that they knew the policy was wrong. They knew that uh, it needed to be changed, but they didn't necessarily do anything about it. <laughs> and and uh, it's one of the frustrations that I have with, uh, you know, the progressive side of things, which is my, you know, I'm obviously, people listen to the show, they know kind of, I think, where we stand on things. And I, I none of these presidents have been progressive enough for me as far as, especially on this particular issue. So to me, uh, I'd love to see it come from below. If it's not going to come from the top, let it come from the bottom. Let, uh, you know, the people, 69%, I think most recently, uh, was the polling in favor of full legalization. Nice. Let it come up from the bottom. Uh, similarly to what happened here in New York, I mean, obviously Cuomo didn't want everything uh, that, was in that bill, but he ultimately, his hands were tied, whether it be because of his own personal uh, issues he was dealing with, or just the fact that this is what the people want. And, uh, well, and he also wanted the money. So correct. He was willing to make some sacrifices. Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, different headlines. And we talked about this a lot in the past uh, month and a half or so, but, but the reality is, you know, these changes are, are happening and they're coming and they have to happen. We need a federal banking change. We need uh, cannabis off of any type of schedule. Uh, and we need more law reform and we need more legalization throughout the, the country and throughout the world. Definitely. And in Carter's defense, maybe he would have done it in the second uh, term. Anyway, um, maybe not. But wouldn't it, you know, to your point, wouldn't it be uh, wonderful if um, in some way Biden could sort of right the wrongs of the past where he supported harsher criminal penalties for drug users? And now he's the guy ultimately that is ending this war on cannabis. Yeah, indeed. I mean, and that's always been the knock on, on him is he 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 wrote these laws in the 90s. Uh, you know, super predators and all of this stuff about harsher penalties. And, and that's that's true. But people can change and people hopefully can evolve. And, and uh, it would be amazing for him to come full circle on this issue and sort of inadvertently be the guy who, uh, you know, who this happened under his watch. I think that's kind of it, where he's at more so than the guy who, who pushed it through. He wants to basically be the guy who let it be pushed through yeah and i I have to say you know ultimately if schumer and booker can get this bill through the senate and then the the house also yikes and you know and biden actually signs it that's good enough for me you know as long as it gets done i'm yes yeah indeed indeed and we're going in the right direction so things are trending uh in in our in our favor so that's a good thing lot of positive momentum and uh, so that I guess is a little look at what's going on in the world of cannabis but that's not all we have on this show we also have an excellent interview coming up 
Indeed. Uh, it is our friend, our old pal, Peabud, uh, who we knew in the underground as Peabud, but is now Michael Knee, the head cultivator uh, for One Plant, uh, which is a uh, dispensary, uh, a number of dispensaries, actually eight different shops in Florida. Uh, but he is someone from the Chemdog family, uh, strain history, uh, the Peabud uh, and Grateful Dead tour and all the incredible stories of transitioning from uh, growing and, and dealing pot in the underground uh, to farming legal large-scale cannabis in Florida. So he's got a lot of interesting stories to tell. And uh, I say, uh, without further ado, why don't Well, just one little bit of ado before you do that ado. We should just mention that, that the audio quality on this is a little difficult at times. There was some table banging going on, uh, sort of a nervous tick. We didn't really hear it clearly while recording, but... Uh, it, it is there. So, but if you can, if you can just uh, make it through, it's an excellent interview, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Indeed, yes, indeed. Thank you, uh, Mike, and uh, thank you to Peabud. We will be back after these messages with Peabud, Mike Knee of One Plant Dispensaries in Florida. Hey, you guys, I want to tell you guys about a sponsor of ours, Rocket Seeds. Uh, check them out at rocketseeds.com. They have a ton, I mean, over 500 different varieties of cannabis strains available. Uh, high quality seeds, great genetics. Uh, they ship worldwide, which is very important. Uh, reliable support. And they also ship for a variety of different seed banks. They've got feminized seeds, autoflowering seeds, regular seeds. Uh, CBD seeds. A lot of people are looking for that. So check them out at rocketseeds.com or on Instagram, rocket underscore seeds. They are awesome and we are really happy to have them on as a sponsor. So check them out, blast off, and get your seeds from rocketseeds.com. All right, we are back at Grow Bud Yourself and episode 50. We have a very special guest for you guys today. It is Michael Knee, also known as Peabud. Michael, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, why don't we go back to uh, the the Wayback Machine and uh, talk about how you got the nickname uh, Peabud and how that all came about and the whole... Uh, connection to the chem chem dog family well peabud comes from uh, an outdoor strain in colorado the peace stands for peonia which is a county in colorado on the western slope and they grew apples and lots of really good fruit the elevation was like perfect really cool nights and warm days uh, so they from what i heard is a group of guys from California in the late 60s got kind of hassled there and they they moved to that valley in Colorado, brought their genetics with them, uh, started growing them amongst the apple trees and everything and got to be a pretty famous strain in the in the late 80s, um, pretty much the 80s, maybe early 90s, it started fading away, but uh, really good outdoor lime green, got shipped all over the country. Uh, Rope. Uh, the growers were, I mean, really knew what they were doing. Uh, there are different grades of it, but the pea bud, that's when I went 
moved there. That's all I heard of is when I got there was the pea bud in the first fall. Uh, yeah, we, we got some for the first time. It was amazing. So when Overgrow and Icy Mag came and I think you needed to do one of those handles or whatever they're called, I just used pea bud uh, as my handle. So that's where the pea bud comes from. Now, um, what about uh, 91 and uh, the Deer Creek show and the whole Chemdog uh, uh, mythology? Yeah, so that summer of 91, uh, my uh, friend Joby and I, he got some really good bud that someone had brought into town. Uh, we think it was from Southern Oregon, and I think it was like a pound, a pound and a half or something. Uh, Joe bought it all, and we went on dead tour that summer from Colorado. We went to a few shows. Uh, and then at Deer Creek, I think that was the first ones we went to. And we just, we brought some of it with us and we just started selling eighths of it for some ungodly amount of money. Back then in the summertime, you know, most everything was pretty dry, even on dead tour. stuff to even find a bag of weed sometimes, let alone this dog bud which was the most incredible indoor pop that we had ever seen in our lives uh we had been smoking some really good hash plant called the puck skelly hash plant uh, which was right up there with it the pea bud but this stuff was just unlike anything we actually started calling it chemweed because of the smell the fuel smell that came off it so we started calling it chemweed and dog bud, it's kind of both. But we went on dead tour, just started selling eighths at Deer Creek and had probably a line of 20 people at our car within 10 minutes. Uh, the word got out pretty quick. Uh, G was one of those guys. And we sold, I think, a couple eighths. That's about it. But we kind of started hanging out with him there and uh exchanged numbers and um when we went back to colorado he went back to massachusetts uh sent him some pea bud first and then sent him some of the dog bud i think two ounces and then i think one of the ounces he found uh the third those 13 seeds uh so yeah it was just amazing i really have never seen anything like that yeah, I think it's hard for people even to think back to something like 91 and imagine that type of quality appearing in the midst of, you know, what, what you know, just coming off of the 80s. And, you know, even BC Bud was probably considered to be pretty exotic at the time. Anything without seeds was, was probably considered pretty exotic. Yeah. And then to find something like that. We had been smoking pretty, I mean, I was... That time we were pretty spoiled in Colorado. We had the pea bud, and then uh, we had that cut of hash plant that is still around today, the skelly hash plant puck. Uh, but this was just even on just another le on another level. Uh, the way it just the smell alone off of it uh, was just incredible. Kind of like the Chem D, just it just blows a room out. <laughs> So uh, you continued to basically grow that in the underground. Uh, G continued to do so, I guess, out in Western Mass. 
uh, you guys in Colorado. We kind of fell just no cell phones back then. So we really fell out of touch until uh, he sent those four seeds to Joe and, and myself when we were in Napa. Uh, and Joe, I was living with Joe in Napa and he sent us those four seeds. And I, that was in, I think, 2006, uh, a little before that. We, we had fallen out of touch, uh, but he had taken those seeds and, you know, found, you know, sprouting them over years at the first four in 91 and then three more in 2000 and then sent us the four in 2006. Uh, but he did a couple crosses with those chems and the Jeezel and the chem band and, and stuff like that. So thank God for G for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you uh, made the transition from, you know, the underground to uh, more legal grows. I mean, uh, one of the myths or, or traditions that I heard was that, you know, you being a, a an avid golfer, uh, that you were able to like hide plants on a golf course. I was, I was a golf course superintendent for about 20 years and uh, I would grow backsides of greens and anywhere where a hose could, you know, reach back there, which they usually could. Uh, I was always growing in like spare bedroom, a garage, uh, closet, whatever. Uh, and I kind of made the switch in Colorado after it became legal. I got a job with a CBD company called Elite Cannabis and, um, all 100% organic, and I had worked, you know, I worked in the grow up there and, uh, you know, worked for those guys in different different capacities and uh, just really liked the idea of it legal and getting a paycheck and not looking over my shoulder all, all the time, and uh, it, it, it was nice. Uh, and then after that, I got a job with elite cannabis and ran one of their gardens. I mean, uh, incredibles and ran one of their gardens. They're an extract company. So we're growing for more for just extracts, not for flower. And I really wanted to get into growing flower for, for people. I'm not a big, uh, hash guy. Uh, I've always been a flower guy. I never really made the switch, uh, over. I just pretty much strictly smoke flowers and I wanted to get, you know, the flowers out to the masses, the, the chem dogs especially. So uh, I had gotten different offers around the country, all in real cold places for some reason, upstate New York, Canada. Uh, and then the guy that my boss at Incredibles, the guy that kind of ran all three grows, had an opportunity to come to Florida and he was kind of recruited myself and one other guy at Incredibles. And uh, we just jumped on board. It just seemed like a good fit. The CEO is a really good guy, has a really good his family, has a really cool cannabis history. His father was a smuggler in the Keys uh, back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, it's really, he's, he's a big fan of cannabis. He's, you know, he smokes it. He, he, he loves it. So uh, it seemed just like a good fit. It was a good time for me to move. Uh, 
Colorado was getting a little saturated. Florida seemed kind of wide open. And uh, so we made the move down here. And uh, we had a small little farm in Ruskin, Florida. It was amazing when I got here what it looked like. You know, no ACs. I mean, growing in greenhouses in the summer. Uh, but we got it to where we wanted it and really grew the company from there. Instead of going to stores, we started with a delivery service and uh, got the product out there to people while we're building our big facility in Indian Town. And uh, we've made the move over there and it's been a, a long two and a half years, but uh, yeah, worth it for sure. Right. So you are uh, the lead cultivator and brand ambassador for One Plant is the name of the company, right? Uh, One Plant and yep, in Florida, they're offices are in Fort Lauderdale, but we service the whole state. We have eight stores now with plans, I think for 12 more kind of getting a lot of good genetics in. I got all the chem dogs in and now we're trying to get good stuff for hash strains. And so uh, I've been trying just to get good strains for the people of Florida. Now you mentioned growing in greenhouses uh, that I'm sure uh, growing in greenhouses in Florida is very different from growing in warehouses mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the differences, you know, of the climate and, and the growing conditions? The first over in Ruskin was real difficult because we didn't even have AC units in at first. Uh, and it's really can't, it's really not much you can do. We got those in. Um, it's the humidity down here. That's the killer. Uh, our new Nexus greenhouses in Indian Town have, you know, shades and curtains, and uh, so we can control it better. We're still having issues. Um, we're building a brand new uh, veg uh, greenhouse right now, uh, and we're going to be more on site there to dial it in the way we want. Uh, so we're just making improvements you know, all the time and just trying to just battle the spikes in temperatures and uh, and humidity levels, trying to keep everything where it should be. And the, uh, the high humidity that you mentioned, it's really the opposite issue from what you would have in like yeah, the high, yeah. high desert of, of yeah. Colorado. So it's, you know, it goes down to like curing. Um, the other guy that came with me is our cure manager and the passion he has is amazing. Uh, but he grew up in Colorado, born and raised there. So he's been curing weed in Colorado his whole life and then has to come here and he's we're curing in right now, temporary curing facilities. Uh, so it's a little more difficult uh, just keeping the door open and closed, uh, you know, is is a problem because the humidity will just creep in and and wet re-wet your your weed and it just it's it's not a good thing so he's had to learn a lot and uh, i think we're really putting out a good product now yeah and now what about growing mediums is there a specific uh preferred medium that you have down there ruskin we're doing uh soil um up here we're it's a lot bigger so we're doing rockwell uh it's just it's just it's cleaner it's just easier for the situation we have is it's the best fit for us now 
even though uh, you grow in these large facilities, uh, what about trimming? Do you guys do hand trimming? Do you do machine yeah, trimming? We hand trim everything. So we they harvest it. <clears throat> we don't do whole plant hangs. We cut it down kind of like old school. We hang it in hangers. And then we line up the hangers. That'll dry for 10 to 14 days on the hanger, strain dependent, of course. Uh, and then we'll, we'll take that and we'll put it into big uh, hemp turkey bags, uh, big plastic bags. And then we'll burp them in there. They'll, they'll set and we'll burp them in there. Uh, they're still on the stock. Uh, then when they're dry and ready to go for final trim, the, the trimmers have something to hang on to. Sort of touching the bud, they'll give it a final trim, nip it, and then they'll go into a big clear bag. Uh, get they get put back into the cure room, and then we'll continue to burp those for probably another week to two weeks, uh, ten days to two weeks, and continue burping them. And then they're down to pretty much ready for packaging. Uh, yeah, we do all hand trim, no no machine at all. And uh, I guess flour is is available now. Uh, it used to be not available in Florida dispensaries, but I guess that's changed. Um, yes, it used to be you had to buy these like cartridges uh, and then put them into a vaporizer machine. People were smashing the cartridges and taking the weed out, and smoking it in you know pipes or whatever. So that changed pretty quick. That's that was just when I got here. So that's been, it's been flour for a while now. You can't see it. It's all packaged in containers that, you know, we can't use glass containers, which kind of messes up the smell when people get it. I, I try to have people put it into a glass jar, you know, right when they buy it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's flour down here now. It's starting to open up. Now, for people that are growing their own and uh, are lucky enough to get their hands on uh, some chem genetics, um, what do you think is the the biggest factor in getting the most out of those genetics uh, for, in in the growing process? Uh, do you think it, it's post harvest and 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 that sort of thing, or is it anything that you can do during the growing process? I, mean, I think it's just consistent all through. I mean, no matter what you do, I mean they're they definitely like a lot of food. They like a lot of cow mag through, you know, week seven, uh, kelp. They like kelp, uh, you know, but whatever you do to your plant, it's just, it's starting with a fresh cut off your mom, I think is where it all begins. And then just keeping it healthy, um, you know, proper water techniques, whatever medium you're using. Uh, and then the cure, I think, is probably the most important uh, to get the smell and the, and the taste out of it. Uh, the high is pretty much always there. I mean, you can grow it pretty bad. And I think the genetics are so strong that the high is always there. But to get that good smell and taste, you know, some guys can do it and some guys can't. But I just think it's a love for the plant. Wow. Yeah, well, I know you have a love of the great outdoors as well um, with golfing and fishing, and I would imagine you're able to get a little more of that uh, accomplished down in Florida. Yes, much more of those two for sure. <laughs> Not much scheme, but... Right. Now, what about the relief of, of be being able to grow legally as compared to 
having to hide in fear, uh, you know, back in the late eighties and early nineties in those days. Uh, uh, it's, it's uh, my anxiety levels will get pretty high. So that really, I mean, I did it cause of the love of the plant, but, uh, it was scary, you know, doing some of the stuff that we did, especially driving out of dead shows. Just, I mean, you had a target on your back. I, mean, I never had stickers on my car or anything, but you know, we got pulled over many, many times coming out of, out of dead shows and just holding your breath and, uh, or just traveling from state to state, but it feels good. Uh, liberating. It, it, it feels good, uh, getting a paycheck and doing it and helping people out and, getting the good medicine to people that, that need it. Absolutely. Uh, now tell people how they can learn uh, more about uh, you on social media, uh, one plant. Uh, if they're in Florida, you mentioned delivery and, and curbside yeah, pickup. And we have eight stores around the state, like, it's, you know, St. Pete. So we're, they're pretty spread out. Uh, we need one up in the panhandle. Uh, and my aunt, we're getting one up there in North Miami fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, we do delivery. Go to one plant, uh, Florida dot us or something. Yeah. I've got one plant dot us. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can, if you know, you gotta have your medical card, uh, hopefully that'll change in 2022 or 24. Uh, but yeah, got your medical car we deliver uh, it's pretty slick delivery service and then we have eight stores always running deals and uh our lab guys make great rosin and and all that stuff so um they're also on instagram uh at oneplant.fl and uh you are on instagram as well at pbud underscore mike that's it and you are there so if people want to follow uh, more about that situation, what you've got growing in Florida. 90% uh, weed shots and maybe 10% my kid. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks for uh, preserving those genetics and, and keeping that alive and, and you know taking those risks to make sure that these incredible strains were surviving and thriving even to this day. Uh, now, you know, 30 plus years later, it's crazy. Uh, you still get to smoke this amazing uh, chem family of strains. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Mike. And uh, we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself after these messages. Hey guys, I want to tell you about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic fertilizers, a brand new legacy line as well, which is organic and some synthetics, a lot of really incredible tools for the modern gardener. So check them out at sweetleaf.com, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. The code Danko15 gets you 15% off of everything that you can get at Sweet Leaf, which also includes uh, complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, a bunch of different apparel and merch, and their signature line of amazing nutrients. If you join our Patreon, uh, you can get even more codes for 20 or even 25% off 
of Sweet Leaf Newts and other products. I want to thank them for being a sponsor. And as always, tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. And uh, thank you to Mike Knee, or Peabud as he's known, uh, for the interview. That was really great, uh, enlightening info on Chemdog family uh, stuff and, you know, everything he's done since then as well, which is very interesting. Um, now, I believe we are in the cultivation segment, which is brought to you by Diamond Cut Co. Premium quality trimming scissors. Diamond Cut Co. makes scissors with conscious ergonomic designs. And, you know, the people who make these scissors are people who've been through this hours and hours of sitting at the trimming table, uh, listening to some tunes, and just trimming away. So uh, check them out at diamondcutco.com or diamond period cut period co on Instagram. And remember that code Danko20 gets you 20% off everything at their website. So Thank you to Diamond Cut Co. It's a good deal. Everyone should check that out. And um, yeah, let's do this cultivation thing. Uh, people who listen to this show know that Dan likes to give just the tip each week to our listeners. Uh, so uh, that ultimately will help people become better growers. What do you want to talk about this week? Yes. So this week, uh, once you've got everything all trimmed up perfectly, dried and cured perfectly, now you're going to wonder, what's my storage situation? Uh, short-term, long-term, uh, hash, flour, what do I do with uh, this wonderful bounty? Uh, should I put it, my flowers in the freezer? Does that keep it fresher? Is that going to make it turn purple? Everybody's got a lot of questions, a lot of myths, a lot of just you know bad info out there about storage as well. Uh, but people who tell you to freeze your cannabis flowers... Uh, to keep it fresh uh, are wrong, in my opinion. So uh, the long and short answer to whether you should put your flower in the freezer is no. Uh, won't, it's not going to help them turn purple. It's not going to keep them any fresher. The problem is uh, that really cold temperature actually will make the trichome glands break off, uh, which you do not want them to do. And uh, on top of that, you've got... Uh, the freezing temperatures, you've got fluctuating humidity, uh, bright light when you open and close the door. All of those things are going to degrade THC and other cannabinoids. Um, that's going to ultimately result in less flavor and potency. I've never had uh, great bud out of a freezer. Uh, you know, just think of freezer burn and that sort of thing. Now, the best place to store your, your flower is in a cool, dark place. Now, keep in mind, it also should be in a dark-colored or opaque sealed glass jar. So you want to make sure it's a glass jar that's completely sealed uh, and that it's in a cool, dark place. Uh, ultimately, that will lead to cannabis that you can consume you know, a year down the road. It'll actually uh, cure up a little better over that time and, and develop some uh, nuances that weren't there when it was fresh. Um, but keep in mind... You don't want stuff that's cured, you know, or dried for too long because ultimately it's going to eventually degrade. Um, I've had some great old bud, you know, that's been stored properly, burned perfectly, preserved the flavor. But I've also uh, smoked a lot of old pot that's past its prime that just sat around for way too long and it got just turned to dust, dust or we call it fart dust. It's too dry. 
uh, loses flavor, loses potency. So remember, you know, it's kind of like Beaujolais, the type of wine that, you know, as opposed to something like Burgundy, which you can put away for 10 or 15 years, Beaujolais, you want to drink it within a year or so of when it's harvested. And remember, you can always grow more. Uh, so that's what it is with, with, uh, with flour. Now, with hash, I would think it's slightly different, okay, because hash can melt uh, and is more volatile at room temperature. So I would say if you have uh, stuff that's, uh, you know, full melt, uh, I think that should live in the freezer. And if you think if you have uh, rosin, you can keep that in the fridge. So, uh, again, they should be in sealed containers. They should be uh, free from, from air and light. Uh, but again, if it's something like a full melt, you can keep that in the freezer to keep that consistency. Rosin in the fridge, flour in the uh, cool, dark place. So there you have it as far as short-term, long-term storage. Um, that way your buds will be ready to smoke when you need them, and your hash and your rosin will be ready as well. There you go. That fart dust brought me back. That's a deep cut, man. Uh, you mentioned that in a video we did like a hundred years ago on storing your, your pot. So check that out somewhere online, everybody. Okay, so uh, that is a, that's the grow tip. And now it's time to answer some questions. So uh, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we jump right in? Let's answer some questions. All right, and let's start off with uh, our old friend Chad. Uh, hola, Danny and Mike. It's your boy, Chad Westport. It's our, um, our adopted son, Chad Westport. <laughs> Super fan. Yes, good, Love it. good man. Um, congratulations on the East Coast finally getting with legalization. Uh, my question is, when you see the very edge of the leaf curl upwards, what do you suppose that is? The leaf isn't making a taco, it's just the very edges. Uh, the humidity is roughly 50 to 60%. My light, LED, is uh, 24 inches above the canopy and dimmed down. There's no burning or different coloring, so I don't think it's a toxicity. I feed my soil a pH solution at 6.3 to 6.5 pH, but I don't truly know the pH in the root zone. Uh, I add some Epsom salt to plain water at one tablespoon per gallon. I do this usually twice in veg, once in flour. Uh, this makes me think it may be a magnesium issue, and it's really only something I've seen since switching from HID to LED. Do plants grown under LEDs have additional magnesium or other nutrient requirements? So, uh, what would you say to Chad Westport? Uh, interesting question. So, leaves curling up uh, at the edges... In some cases, it could be a non-issue. Sometimes leaves uh, just sort of curl up because they're look, you know, they're looking to the light and they, they want more light, uh, and and they're curling that way to absorb more light. Uh, but then that looks pretty natural. We call that like praying leaves because they're kind of like praying to the sun uh, or to the light source. Um, if they're if it's an unnatural curl, uh, a lot of times that can be caused by overwatering. Um, particularly when combined with heat, uh, the plants, the leaves will curl up because they're, uh, they're not able to take in sunlight because they have too much water and they're, and they're waterlogged. That could be from, uh, poor kind of muddy soil as well. Uh, could be magnesium, as you mentioned. 
Uh, it's not that the plant's needs are different under different lighting. What happens is the plant is able... Well, actually it is, I guess, because the plant is able to take in uh, more nutrients when it's when it's dialed in and taking in lots of light. Um, so a plant that's under an HID in proper environmental conditions will grow quickly and need more newts than a plant uh, that is under an LED uh, growing a little slower in uh, not so desirable conditions. Uh, so it's not so much the plant needs, but what happens is if everything's dialed in properly, um, the plant can use more magnesium uh, when it's thriving. Uh, so that could be it. I think if you try to add a little CalMag and see if that should fix the problem, um, that should be the fix. Uh, it's a common problem, but you've already sort of diagnosed that you don't think that it's caused by heat uh, or the proximity to the light or any type of toxicity. So I would try try with the magnesium uh, and try uh, watering a little bit less as well, letting the plant, uh, letting the root zone dry out before uh, watering again. All right, cool. CalMag to the rescue. Uh, thank you, Chad. We hope that helps you out there. Uh, let's hop over to Matt. And Matt writes, Hello, Danny and Mike. My name is Matt, and I wanted to say I really enjoy the show. Uh, been a fan since Free Weed. So thank you for the info and good times. My question is about uh, lighting. I purchased a light and tent setup. It's a 2x4x5 tent uh, with a 600-watt LED. I was wondering if this light is too much for the plants. Uh, any help would be great. Peace and love, Matt. So, uh, yeah, what would you say there? Yeah, I don't believe that that's too much light. I think if it was an HID light and it was a 600-watt HID uh, in a 2x4x5, that might be a little much uh, just heat-wise and light intensity-wise. But because it's an LED, I think it's going to produce a lot less heat. And I think you'll be able to have plants thrive under that 600-watt uh, LED in your 2x4x5 tent. So I do not think that's too much because it's LED and not HID. All right, gotcha. Thanks, uh, Matt. We hope that helps you out. Uh, let's move over to Frank. And uh, Frank uh, has a couple of follow-up questions. He wrote us last week. Uh, from Miami. So he writes, Hey guys, big fan of the show. A uh, couple questions. I mixed organic soil uh, two by three with earthworm castings one by three. I also bought nutrients to add to the soil. Do you think my soil mix will be enough nutrients or will I have to add additional newts for the vegetative stage and flowering stage? Also, I bought an automatic watering system. Is it a good thing to have the soil around the roots always wet? Uh, or should I leave more time in between watering and let the soil dry out? I only have two questions about the light. So what should my light intensity and distance from the plant be? And with autoflower seeds, can I just run the light 24-7 for the whole grow? So what would you say to Frank? Okay, Frank. Uh, so that's a number of different questions. As far as the nutrients that you've added to the soil... Uh, you made yourself a nice hot mix, but the problem with that is once you've watered uh, a few times with plain water, you're eventually going to use up uh, any kind of nutrient that you've got in there. So you might have two, three, even possibly four weeks worth of newts built into that soil. Uh, but once you've used plain water, you're eventually going to use that up. The, the roots are going to take in what they can and uh, what your water is going to run off uh, some of that as well. Some of it's going to evaporate. So basically, at some point down the road, you're going to need to add 
additional nutrients, particularly uh, in the flowering stage. A lot of times what people do is they'll mix up a nice hot uh, newt mix uh, and they'll use that throughout their vegetative stage. They'll make it a high nitrogen mix and then they'll just use plain water on their, uh, on their soilless mix because of all of that uh, nitrogen heavy newts that have already been mixed in uh, as dry newts uh, that are going to be activated when you water with plain water and then the roots will take in what they take in. Again, after three weeks, after a month or so, all those newts become depleted and now you're just working with a medium that has very little nutrient in it and if you're just adding plain water you're ultimately going to see some deficiencies so once that flowering stage starts typically that's when you're going to need to start adding some type of of nutrients to your nutrient solution or your plain water normally that you'd be adding uh so in my in my estimation you will at some point need to add additional nutrients um as far as automated watering uh, you do not want to keep the soil around the roots always wet. Uh, they want to have a wet and dry cycle, so definitely leave some time in between when those uh, that automatic watering is used so that the plant does have that uh, wet and dry cycle. Uh, it definitely prefers that to, to being wet a lot all the time, and you'll see that uh, in the plant, and you'll see it very quickly. If the plant is wet all the time, you'll get root rot, and you'll start to see... You know, signs of of damage to your plant so don't do that um, as far as the light intensity and distance that a lot of that has to do with the light that you choose you didn't actually mention in here what kind of light you're using but I would assume uh, if it's some type of fluorescent it can be fairly close uh, three to six inches away from your canopy if it's an LED I would say a little bit further six to twelve and if it's uh, HID, starting with, uh, you know, let's say uh, 400 watt HID, uh, I would put at about a foot uh, to 16 inches away. A 600 watt LE uh, HID, I would put about uh, 16 to 18 inches. And a 1,000 watt, I would put at 18 inches to 2 feet away. Um, so it really doesn't... You know, depend on the lighting system that you're using and how much heat it's generating and how much light it's generating. Um, as far as auto flowering, uh, you can run the lights at 24 7 for the whole grow. Uh, I usually recommend 18 and 6, 18 hours on, 6 hours off, just so the plants do have that uh, off time to uh, build up cells and, and recover from all the light that they're taking in. But you can run them 24 7 if you'd prefer that. Uh, I just think that uh, running that 18 and 6 uh, saves you money, gives you plenty of light intensity, and uh, keeps you from having the lights on all the time. So that's, uh, that's the answers to your questions, Frank. All right. Very good. Uh, we hope that helps you out, Frank. Uh, let us know. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. You could find us on the socials, on Patreon, on YouTube. So get us your question. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back and wrap it up? Let's do it. All right, welcome back, and we are wrapping up episode number 50 of Grow Bud Yourself. It has been a great one. 
we talked a little politics at the top. Uh, had an interesting and enlightening interview with Mike Knee, aka Peabud, uh, from One Plant in Florida and the Chemdog fam. Uh, lots of good, interesting stuff from the cultivation segment as well. Uh, we're very excited to be brought to you by Rocket Seeds, uh, our newest sponsor, Rocket Seeds. Check them out at rocketseeds.com. Uh, Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. The code is DANKO15 for 15% off of everything at sweetleaf.com. Diamond Cutco trimming scissors. uh, DANKO20 gets you 20% off at diamondcutco.com. And Excelsior Extracts, THC-infused pain relief rub, available by contacting Excelsior Extracts on Instagram. So thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to DJ Shock and Winstrong. Um, Thank you to vapor.com, where you can use the code GBY. Uh, at checkout for 15% off of everything uh, at vapor.com. Thanks to all you Patreon supporters. We just keep growing there. Uh, It's really exciting. We've got tons of cool, uh, exciting things for you guys there as well. So check out patreon.com slash Danny Danko if you want to support the show directly, financially, for as little as $4.20 a month. Um, Yeah. And uh, subscribe to the newsletter if you want some of these Danko tips, not just uh, in your ears, but on your computer. He's he's providing those weekly, so check the newsletter out. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And you can also stream our show on YouTube. Uh, It's just audio, but you can stream it. So if you have your smart TV uh, or smartphone or smart car or, I don't know, smart... uh, air fryer i don't know what people listen to these things anymore uh but uh if your uh treadmill knows how to play music for you i you know whatever it might be uh you can probably find us on that device uh somewhere so uh check us out on there as well subscribe to the show yeah man we love you guys uh thank you to, to the listeners thank you to you mike g uh thanks to mike knee we mentioned him as well earlier so uh episode 50 put it in the books and uh i say uh we'll be back next week with more grow bud yourself <laughs>